Hi, it's Leon Dolan, and my new book, The Marriage Sabbatical, is out now and available everywhere. People Magazine chose it as an April pick of the month, one of the best this week, a hopeful take on commitment, they said, and an innovative story about marriage. Mmm, sounds juicy. The Marriage Sabbatical, out now, available everywhere. Hi, this is Julie. This is Liz. This is Sheila. This is Monica. This is Leanne. We are the Satellite Sisters. You are listening to Satellite Sisters to Go. other things to discuss, sisters. I'm Liz Dolan. I'm in Santa Monica, California, joined by my sister, Leanne Dolan, in Pasadena. And Leanne, can I say, that photo you posted on your Facebook page yesterday of your son, Colin, yesterday was Colin's birthday. It was. You you posted this adorable picture of him when he was like, how old is he in that photo? I know. He was three years old in that photo. And uh, my friend Allison, who's a professional photographer, like took that when we were visiting their family house in Maine. It was uh, September. It was August 2001. And it was my favorite photo ever of him. You know, Liz, it's why I don't take a lot of photos. All you need is one good one, I think, you know? Like, well, but it, that, whole but it, life could be summed up in six or seven photos. You know, I don't have six or seven hundred, but I have six really good ones. Okay, so in that one, he's three, and yesterday he turned 15. So you have, mm-hmm. like, a handful of photos in between, that's it? I, a couple of good photos in between. We're set. <laughs> you know, one, one he's Peter Pan. I got a soccer photo. I have another one of him and his brother and the dog. That's really all you need. <laughs> what, okay. Does he feel the same way, Liam? <laughs> Well, he is always grateful that my friend Susan, uh, whose son has been with him since kindergarten, she takes a million photos. So most of his childhood has been documented by Mrs. Pye. Uh, Good. And you're you're friends with Susan, so you have access to her photo archives. All right. So, Julie Dolan, welcome to the show. Now, Julie, my number one question for you this week, given all of the international news, is... Did you know that Timbuktu was a real place? And did you know the, where it was? Because a lot of Dayline Timbuktu this week, wouldn't you say? I, Liz, I have to say, when I saw that headline, I was like, Timbuktu? Is that a real place? I, I admit, Liz, I have to cop to it. I had no idea that it was a real place. And certainly, if I was on Jeopardy, I never would have been able to figure out that it was in the country of Mali. No, so, But neither. there you have it. It's... Uh, I, I'm sure Timbuktuians uh, know it's a real place, and they've had quite a bit of action there this week. Right. And when you hear that the French are invading a place, you think, what? That's your first reaction. France? And then <laughs> the, Timbuktu, I guess I always assumed if it was a real place, that it was more like an island. Doesn't it sound like an island? Uh, it's like a valley high. Yes. Zanzibar. Oh, Zanzibar, exactly. Which is an island. Right. Okay. Who? Okay. So that's. Uh, we have, do we have anything else in the international news category? Well, uh, uh, sort of really other incredible news is this week Google announced that they are opening up on Google Maps North Korea. 
Uh, so they now have maps of North Korea. Now, you know North Korea is like the most secretive country in the whole world. Right. And it's, it's an incredible tyranny, dictatorship. Uh, they have and yet, and yet you managed they to penetrate their borders. To, you know, aim them at the U.S., certainly South Korea. And, of course, I went to visit um, to North Korea a couple years ago on a girlfriend trip, right? Uh-huh. Yeah, sure. Yeah. But what is amazing about this, because there is – it because it is such a closed country, because they take away your, most of your uh, camera uh, equipment when you enter the country, that it is amazing that they've put together enough information about what the city of like Pyongyang, the major, the capital city looks like. They've even identified where these, you know, super secretive gulags, detention centers, where they have hundreds of thousands of people in, they, they have those on the maps. So, and most of this work, according to Google, has been done, or a lot of the work has been done by what they call citizen cartographers. How about this? That's I love it. I love the concept, don't you? Isn't it fantastic? It's the beginning of the beginning there. Right. I mean, you know, they did not have the Google car driving around in Pyongyang. They, that, that, <laughs> that, okay. Although that would make a great music video. <laughs> so truly, so true. Um, or a Super Bowl commercial. <laughs> but... So they didn't have that. So they had to piece this together by the approximately 25,000 North Korean, you know, refugees, people that have escaped North Korea and put together, you know, you know, information about where they live. Now, again, this is a country that has very little public transportation, very few cars. You know, when we were there, most of the people walk. And they want people walking. They don't even give them bicycles. They say bicycles are too dangerous. But the reason I think they don't give them bicycles in North Korea is because they don't want them to be able to go far afield. You can, you know, obviously, you know, you can, you know, you can walk maybe 10, 20 miles. You could bicycle a lot farther. So the fact that these people have, you know, the citizen cartographers have, you know, gotten information out of North Korea, I, it, to me, is amazing. I also believe that on my tour bus, there might have been several citizen cartographers <laughs> <laughs> for spies. And I, I don't, again, I, I, did, I have not provided Google with any information. I just want to go on record to, to, that, to that effect. Um, but I suspect that there were others on my tour of North Korea that might have acted as citizen cartographers for various things that they'd seen. Wow, that is really fascinating and so risky for those citizens when you think about it. Absolutely, Liz. So, so it really does sort of open it up a little. Um, there's obviously um, there's no internet in North Korea, so no uh, so no one in North Korea can actually see this Google map. But and you know I think they're probably more advanced maps than this. But the idea that you know again it's that crowdsourcing thing, Liz. Mm-hmm. Just put together little bits of piece, uh, pieces of information they had about North Korea, and now they have enough to have a map. Well, it's funny, on the crowdsourcing, that is something that, you know, I work on the National Geographic Channel, and every once in a while, Nat Geo does something they call a bio-blitz, where you're supposed to be a citizen scientist and go into your own backyard and take a picture of a creature or some algae or something back there that you don't know what it is, and you upload it to the Nat Geo website, and they identify all of this stuff that could be in your backyard, but 
but it also helps them kind of map the world as far as what lives where, and uh, which is kind of a cool idea. But occasionally, people kind of misunderstand the instructions, and they and we in my office, which is really channel marketing in Los Angeles, you don't need to send them to us. And we will occasionally get these emails with just a big picture of like a big blob in someone's backyard, like a like a jellyfish in the mud in the grass or something. And, and at first, we didn't know why are we occasionally getting these really weird pictures of just these things, these growths in people's backyard. And then I put two and two together and realized they were just getting the wrong mailing address for the bio blitz. So okay. if I start... I'm just laughing because the idea of you identifying anything in nature <laughs> is also hilarious. <laughs> Remember one time you had a tree fall down in your backyard in your house in Portland? And I said, oh, what kind of tree? And you said... A wood tree. So, <laughs> that's good that you're working so closely with National Geographic now. Yes, you see, so. this is... A wood tree. There are, <laughs> there are more people like me than people that would recognize the uh, the bio blitz. But, so, we, so, Julie, if we start getting pictures of, like, streets in North Korea, I'll know why. That'll okay, be... Okay, citizen cartographers, citizen scientists, I think it's all good. Hey, well, speaking of having things on your own terms, there was a big cover story this week in the Los Angeles Times uh, about one of my favorite new activities, and that would be binge viewing. <laughs> now, <laughs> so this, of course, is the idea that you watch an entire season of a television show in a single sitting or over a couple of days. And this has been made possible for all kinds of reasons lately, particularly Netflix, the advent of Netflix, or, you know, about 10 years ago, they started putting entire seasons of shows on DVDs. And so it makes it possible for you not to have to wait week to week and watch the previously on, or even really watch the commercials. I'm sorry to say, Liz, <laughs> it's just to indulge in your fav favorite TV show in a single sitting. And Julie, you were one of the first binge viewers I knew because you lived abroad and you would buy like 24. You would watch six episodes at a time. That's right, Liz, uh, Leon. I was a, I was a citizen binge viewer early on. Yes, because we lived in Russia, and Russian TV not so great. Long cold winter, so we would we bought the whole series of of Twenty Four or Sopranos, The Wires, and on some cold winter weekend in Moscow, we would sit there and watch the whole thing, and it was incredibly satisfying. And even though we've returned to the United States, I still prefer to watch series that way. So, for example, um, Downton Abbey. I didn't really watch the first two seasons, but then I binged Leanne, and I watched it all together one time when my international business husband was away on an extended business trip. And I much prefer you know what, Julie? That was one where I really enjoyed it. I binged, viewed the first season. It was the way to do it. And uh, you will appreciate this quote from a television executive who said, once people binge view, they can never go back. <laughs> I think that's true. I did that with The Killing. Uh, I saw one episode on an airplane, and I got home on a Friday night from that plane trip. The first thing I did was sign up for Netflix, and the rest of the weekend I watched the rest of season one of The Killing. <laughs> I, I loved that show. It's like, and what's interesting is there is kind of a generational split. So, like, I, I watch the way my kids watch TV, and it's completely different than what, how we watch TV. First of all, they have.
have like 9 million options and so many more channels and so many more devices and everything, but they can't imagine not watching like seven episodes of a show at a time. That, they just can't believe it. So Colin, for instance, just discovered Doctor Who. Oh. Like, he got the word from his cousin Sam that this was a great show. And so last night he came in and he was all depressed. I was like, what's the matter? He goes, I'm almost there. I've almost reached the end of like eight years of Doctor Who episodes. <laughs> Yeah, that's hard. So he just has no reason to live yeah. after Doctor Who ends? It's just, he, he's going to go, yeah, he's crashing now. He's doing a crash. He's binge viewed. He's crashed, and now he needs to find another show to binge view until they can produce new Doctor Who episodes. But it is sort of interesting that it has literally changed the way we watch TV. And it came up this week because Netflix has now their first series specifically produced for Netflix uh, for binge viewing. So they put all the entire first season, like all 13 episodes of House of Cards. It's a political thriller with Kevin Spacey. It looks great. They put it all up on Netflix at once. It is meant to be watched episode after episode after episode. There is no sort of preview or previously on. You're just supposed to watch it one after the other. It's kind of an interesting idea. I like that. I like that. I, I have it. to say, I, and I totally fell for it. Last night, I watched the first two episodes. <laughs> <laughs> you know, because a political thriller, like, that sounds right up my alley. I love right. shows like that. I'm thinking that it was like The West Wing meets, what was that romantic thriller with Kevin Costner, where that one? The, the Bodyguard. No. <laughs> no, the other one. Anyway. It, it, he made other movies besides The Bodyguard. <laughs> It was another movie where he's a Secret Service guy. So yeah. he, was, he was acting as a bodyguard, Leah. <laughs> right. It's enough, please. But here's what I realized, what, having dipped into House of Cards, where, uh, you know, all of these shows, whether you binge view them or watch them week to week, they have cliffhangers or details or there's a spoiler situation you could get into. And I realized with House of Cards, if some people are watching all 13 episodes now, but most people are not, you, you quickly get into the zone I call the Lady Sybil syndrome, right. which is, and the Lady <laughs> Sybil syndrome is what happened to me last Sunday when oh. everyone on the East Coast felt like they really needed to share about what happened to Lady Sybil in the episode of Downton Abbey, so long before those of us in the West Coast could watch it, you already ruined it for us. I know. Mm -hmm. And I that know. really does ruin, that ruined, that was a surprise ending, and that yeah. ruined yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I'm not even saying what the ending was in case there's anyone <laughs> left in America who hasn't heard what happened to poor Lady Sybil. But, you know, but if you're, if you're like the writers and producers of these shows, that does become a, like something you're going to have to figure out. If everyone's talking about it, it could be great for the binge viewers, but it could ruin it for everyone else, you know, because you're going to quickly get into the Lady Sybil syndrome, and you'll already know how it all turns out before you even start watching it. Just, I know. Just saying. You know. Okay. It's a, though, if you are into binge viewing, Julie, this might be up your alley. Weren't you a fan of the show Arrested Development? Who do yes, I know? That, I, I binge viewed all of that, Liz. Okay, well, you know, it's coming back. The big, the next big thing Netflix is doing in April is you will get, like, I think it's 13 episodes of uh -huh. something, 13 episodes of Arrested Development 
all at once, dropped all at once in April. So I know people that have never signed up for Netflix because, you know, you get the first month free and that are waiting for April so that they get the free month. They can watch all of Arrested Development and all of House of Cards and then just cancel their subscription. They're never going to cancel it, though. That's the point. Well, Once that's- they binge view, Liz, they cannot go back. I mean, I do find Downton Abbey seems to be moving incredibly slow this season because you can only watch one week at a time. Yeah. And I, it's just, <laughs> used to watching. I agree. Two There's three. other series like Treme, okay? Excellent oh. HBO series. But it's much better as a binge viewing um, uh, situation than it is week to week. Other shows that I, I make, I'm doing appointment binge viewing. How about this? That new series on FX that, about Americans, which has oh, some yes, Russian uh-huh. spies living in the U.S. I'm not going to watch that. I'm just going to wait for the binge viewing opportunity. Uh, okay. down. <laughs> I do that you know, sometimes we do that too. With Justified on yeah. FX. We'll tape like two or three, and then we'll go for it. Because it's a lot of intermarried storylines and stuff. And, you know, so on a Saturday night, like last night, we watched two Justifieds. So. (laughs) Wow, we've had some really big social lives, though. (laughs) Okay. I'm just saying, I think it's a funny term, and I think it is changing the way we're watching TV. (laughs) Okay, speaking of TV, on last week's show, uh, I provided a little bit of an update for something that could be happening at the Screen Actors Guild Awards. The SAG Awards were last Sunday night, and as listeners of last week's show, if you're binge listening, you probably just heard this 30 minutes ago, the I had friends staying with me last weekend because the, well, it's a husband and wife, and the husband's father was getting a Lifetime Achievement Award at the SAG Awards because his father is Dick Van Dyke. So the so Chris and Chris, the husband and wife both named Chris, Chris and Chris were staying with me over the weekend getting ready for the Sunday Night Awards. And Julie, I kind of ran everyone through, like, what it was like behind the scenes, Right. Well, it was excellent, Liz. I mean, because you did have a close encounter with Dick Van Dyke. Uh, Yes. You mentioned that, but you provided the coaching to uh, people that are just not used to red carpet experiences Mm -hmm. on what to do, how to get the spray-on tan, when to get it, how to get hair and makeup done, sort of really fine details, like don't go for the full set of false eyelashes, Mm -hmm. just go for a couple. I thought that was a good (laughs) Liz. Yes. If you had any number of super valuable tips that uh, that you provided to your friends in order for them to maximize their red carpet experience... uh, yeah. But I think the most important thing you said is nobody will be looking at you, right? right? That's, I think that that's your, the overarching theory. Yeah, the, the freak out factor of you have to look as good as them. Don't waste your energy. No one's looking at you. And so I just thought I'd give people a little bit of update because when we recorded that show last Sunday morning, I had not taken Christine off to get her makeup done yet, and obviously the show hadn't happened. So here's a quick review of the rest of the day Sunday because we got a lot of email this week from people that said they were interested to know. So I took, I took Christine off to to the makeup place uh, where I've occasionally had my makeup done. And because Chris, Chris is a lot like Monica. She doesn't normally wear makeup like in an average day. And when she does, she's very reluctant to put it on in quantities adequate enough that you would ever notice, you know? <laughs> and That's a very gentle way of saying that. Liz. And <laughs> sisters will remember the time where we were at a photo shoot together four satellite sisters where we all had our makeup done and Monica looked at herself in the mirror after we were all dolled up and she said the immortal words, 
I look like a transvestite, right? Do you remember that? Right, right. <laughs> so Monica, with any amount of makeup on, feels like she looks like a tranny. And uh, so there was a little bit of that going on with Christine last weekend, because after it was all done, and this was like daytime makeup she got, and a few little eyelashes. It was not Kim Kardashian makeup, no, right? No, I said, just do not say the word smoky eyes, okay? Whatever you do, do not <laughs> say the word smoky eyes, because that is their license to go crazy on your face. And, uh, but she looked at herself after the whole makeup was done and it looked lovely and very tasteful. She looked in the mirror and then she looked at me and she said, don't you think I just look like a sad puppy dog? <laughs> and I'm like, no, no. Why, would I bring you here and then and tell you, you look good if I thought you look like a sad puppy dog? So, uh, I said, okay, if I turn around and all of a sudden, you're wiping it off the way Monica always does. I'm really going to get mad. She's like, I said, so hands off your face, okay? No touching the face for the rest of the day. And she said, okay. So then came home. They got dressed. Chris is, Chris, the boy, Chris Van Dyke, um, his sister and brother were picking them up in the limo here. So that was kind of fun for me because they don't live anywhere near Santa Monica. But the big family limo with his brothers and sisters pulled up. I went out. I took photos. They got in the car. Then I rushed back in and, uh, of course, had to watch everything on E because the other key piece of information I provided them with is really the insight, Leanne, the one time you and I actually went to the Oscars together, remember? Yes. Yeah. Uh-huh. I was seven months pregnant. Mm-hmm. Yes. The key piece of learning we took away from that whole Oscar experience is that you can stand on the red carpet for as long as you want. Just like find a spot and own it. Don't, they're going to try to rush you in to go sit down. Do not go sit down. People are out on that red carpet for a really long time. So remember, we just hung by that big golden statue, and they kept telling us to move on, and we just kept not moving on, right? We just stood there. No one really pushes a seven-month pregnant woman. That was the good thing. (laughs) Yeah. So I said, just find a spot and stay there. Otherwise, you will miss all the fun. They're like, okay, okay, okay. So then I'm watching on E. Uh, So, of course, they come back to Juliana Rancic over and over again. And then all of a sudden... Right over Juliana's left shoulder. Who do I see standing there? But Chris and Chris. Oh, and, fun. And they were there for like half an hour. <laughs> I could, they kept going back to Juliana. And every time they went back to Juliana, Chris and Chris were there talking to someone else. At one point, they went back to Juliana. And in the background, you could see that Chris Van Dyke was talking to Abu Nazir. I was so excited for him. <laughs> So excited for him. The the guy that plays Abu Nazir on Homeland. Right there. And, and Chris loves that show. So I could I could see him talking to Abu Nazir. And then another time I could see him talking to Brian Cranston. His other favorite show is Breaking Bad. So I was like I was, Well, it sounds like Liz, given your coaching, they had the maximum red carpet experience. Totally. Totally, Julie. They were, so then they went in, and there was the whole award ceremony, all of that. And if you watched it, I mean, Dick Van Dyke is like, that is hard to beat for an 87-year-old man who can just bound up on stage like that. And he was so super psyched, and he really seemed to be having a good time. Occasionally during the show, I got a text photo from Christine. If there was someone famous, like, standing behind Chris. Leon, I think I might have sent you the one she sent me of Jennifer Garner standing yes. right behind Chris. <laughs> yes. And that was another tip, the key tip that you gave them. Go ahead and take pictures, right? Yes. You said, you said, do not be shy. 
do not think that you can't take pictures. You encourage that, right? Yeah, yeah. it's just not going to do you any good to try to be cool. You're not cool. They're cool. You're not. Just go with it. You know, you're not going to have this experience again. So uh, so anyway, so they, so then after the thing, they were going out to some kind of party, which they bailed on. And then they, so they turned up here afterwards, obviously came home. And, uh, and then we did the post-show videotape review. We went through frame by frame. I had time-coded the E show so I could tell them, here you are with Abu Nazir, here you are with Walter White, you know, boom, boom, boom. (laughs) They were so psyched. And then we watched the show again, and I had the moments where I had seen them or where there was something I wanted them to see, but Chris Van Dyke was saying, no, no, I was right behind Julianne Moore, so I'm sure any time they showed Julianne Moore, I must have been in the shot. So we had to go through the whole show and roll the shots of Julianne Moore. Anyway, it was really delightful and fun. And overall, I was just so surprised that they had had such a good time that they were, when they came home that night, they were pretty psyched because, you know, Chris, he grew up in this environment because his dad has been famous for such a long time. And in his office, when we were, we were colleagues at Nike, I remember like, at one corner of his office where he had some pictures up, nothing, he didn't like post a lot of pictures of his dad or anything, but there was a picture of Chris meeting the Beatles when he was like five years old. And I'm like, what is that? He's like, yeah, we were at Walt Disney's house and the Beatles came over. <laughs> so, so I'm like, so that's why you think, okay, a kid that grows up like that is not going to be super psyched to meet Abu Nazir. But he could not have been more excited. So, um, there, there, so that was that. I'm glad I did give them the few "Don't be too cool for school" tips that I shared because I think it really enhanced their whole experience of the day. And it was fun for me to be their um, their coach, and then they're also, you know, sort of running the videotape. Um, replays for them. We were up all night looking, <laughs> looking at both shows. So it was good. Did, it, did either of you watch that show? No, no. Liz. No. I wasn't able to. No. <laughs> okay. All right. No. Fine. Yeah, I, no. But, you know, Liz, I did hear this week something that, like, shocked and astonished me. And uh, Katie Couric revealed in an interview that she'd actually had, like, sort of a date with Larry King, and he put the moves on her. Oh, my God, Leanne. I saw that headline. We have we have seen Larry King in person, and um, it's not good. <laughs> He's got the big head and then the skinny, skinny little body. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Really, oh in that age group, given in that age group, given a choice between Larry King and, or Dick Van Dyke, go with Dick Van Dyke. He's yeah. he's going to be a lot more fun. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. So yeah. I. I mean, I don't have much to say about it. It's. Just so shocking. I mean, Katie seemed shocked, too. Like, yeah. I don't think she thought it was actually a date. I think she thought it was just colleagues having dinner, and he, like, made the move on her. And <laughs> so it makes me love Katie even more. It does not seem like Larry King's type. I, I mean, I've seen several of Larry King's wives uh, at various points in time. And, you know, they t- he tends to go for, I don't know, the Las Vegas showgirl kind of mm-hmm. physique. As mm-hmm. so... Uh, which is not Katie Couric's physique, so I'm I'm a little surprised. But well, the de- the yeah. detail. So of the, there you go. The detail of the story that I liked the best, because then I did go find it online. It was, she told the story to Jimmy Kimmel, so it's posted all over the place. If you want to go look at it, is that when he took her back to his place, despite the fact that she thought she was he was just taking her home, and in his apartment 
All of his walls are covered like with proclamations of Larry King Day in Cleveland, Larry King Day in Toledo, Larry King Day in Phoenix, like keys to the city from every city in America, she said. That seemed totally right for me, for, for Larry King. Wouldn't you imagine <laughs> that he would? That Liz, he would. he's coming after you next. That's what I think. <laughs> <laughs> oh god that was that oh, was really okay funny. So, oh that's funny all okay. right uh we have the super bowl now are we yep. is that what we're talking about yes yeah. mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. okay yeah i guess it is super bowl sunday i'm just looking at my list here of things and um all right so as you know the big story for 49ers ravens the big story is it's the two brothers the harbaugh brothers going after each other coaching together uh julie you raised two boys i'm raising two boys this seems like a worst possible scenario frankly it does it does i mean you know i i, I just i don't know how i mean the one that loses, it's going to be bad. It's going to be bad forever at every Thanksgiving, right. every Christmas, uh, you know, every future Super Bowl. So, right. I, I think, you know, people take the Super Bowl pretty seriously. Like, it's it's not like, I you, can know, see this I, you know, people talk about losing athletes and coaches. What's that? Are you cut out? No, go ahead, Leanne. Jewel? I'm still here. Can you hear okay. me? I was okay. I yeah. Sorry, I had a hard time hearing you. But I, you know, athletes and coaches take losing the Super Bowl very hard. So I don't think this is going to be an easy one. I'm sure the, uh, you know, I'm sure that there will be repercussions. But here's the thing: I want desperately to root for the younger brother. That would be Jim, the coach of the 49ers. They're only separated by 15 months. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, that's rough right there. That was, And they have completely different personalities. John, the coach of the Ravens, is, like, pleasant and charming, and Jim is not. And, um, unfortunately, Jim coached uh, Stanford. And you know I hate Stanford. So <laughs> I'm really having a hard time rooting for them the 49ers and the younger brother because I want to support baby brothers, but I don't know if I can do it. Right. Uh, Leah, just as as the young on the Ravens bandwagon with Liz and Liz and myself, uh, Mm -hmm. because we, we joined mainly because our um, cousin, Martha Morningstar, who lives in Baltimore is such a giant fan um, that we just, we just had to go with it. Yeah. If you follow Martha Morningstar, if you're Facebook friends with her, you will see that Every other post is about the Ravens somehow, and it's. Uh, I think she's already posted. I know you've selected your menu for today, but Martha was making menu suggestions all week. She is also in the catering business, as you know. So this is a huge holiday for her, both as a Ravens fan and as a catering manager. So, so we felt we had the discussion last week, Lee, and maybe you should weigh in on this on if the various sisters were pitted against each other in the super bowl who would you hate to who would you hate to lose to versus who you wouldn't mind losing to you know like i said i wouldn't mind if i was coaching against you in the super bowl Leon, i wouldn't mind losing to you because you know a lot more about football than i do but it would kind of bug me to lose to sheila you yeah. know that just was uh, uh, not that she wouldn't care as much about yeah, winning I- you know. It was Sheila came to mind for me too. <laughs> Sheila came to mind for me too because she's actually. So, so we all we all agree we all agree that we could lose to anyone except Sheila and we would be okay with it. <laughs> <laughs> yes, you're right. Yes, she- I think that's about right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, sisters, did you hear about this uh, this proposal that it's a petition that they have sent to Congress uh, proposing a holiday for the Monday after the Super Bowl? That this, they want our lawmakers, who have nothing better to do, uh, to spend some time 
debating, considering, deliberating about whether there should be a national holiday uh, on the Monday after the Super Bowl. <laughs> Okay, I think this is the worst idea. That is ridiculous. Okay, I mean, I mean, I'm all for holidays. Don't get me wrong, but I think if we're going to have a holiday after a big TV event, how about after the Academy Awards? That's what I would that's say. That's a late night. I yeah. mean, not so much for you West Coast people, but yeah, you know, but for East Coast and Central, you can't stay up to the you know the end of the Academy Awards. You have to you know you have to go to sleep if you have to go to work. So I think that would be a good one. Or perhaps a two-week, you know, national holiday during the Olympics so we could all lie on our couches and watch the Oh, Olympics. yeah. Okay, that would be good. That would or be excellent. Think, I just would be fine if we would join the global community. Why don't we celebrate International Women's Day? It's in March. Okay, the weather is still not great. And it celebrates all women, young and old. And that's man's job on that day is to make... Uh, make all the women in his or his life happy. So, so we, then we holiday, can, on that, right? on that holiday, on that holiday, we could just spend the day binge viewing Downton Abbey. Is what that be? <laughs> exactly, Liz. But I, I just, I mean, I'm afraid this idea is going to get some traction. This yeah. is what, and it's like such a stupid idea. <laughs> well, I, 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 maybe if they moved it up or back, like put it on President's Weekend then. Just move the Super Bowl back a couple of weeks. Put it on where we have a holiday anyway. Nobody really thinks much about the presidents. We can just turn that into Super Bowl weekend. That would be uh, that would be my solution to that. Ooh, but then you do start to get the Super Bowl awfully close to the Oscars, which that might not be good from a binge viewing perspective. Uh, you know, because there's always that last minute Oscar prep you have to do, catching up on all of the movies that you didn't see. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. No, I think you're right, Julie. I think we just need to not consider this holiday and uh and totally move on the, yeah, i don't think to work yeah it's not really i mean most of these games have been big disappointments um so let's just uh let's not really go overboard on this uh anything else we have to cover <laughs> leon what's going on in your life now i understand that uh you finished your novel right you're that that enough it's it's done enough so that i believe you shipped it off to somebody to actually read that somebody would be me <laughs> it's julie lee sent me a copy and um i have i've printed it out and i here here's the first word on leon's new book elizabeth the first wife it is great it is just great it's great it's like I mean, you, re- you gave it to me thinking that maybe I might have some comments, but you told me not to give you any comments, really. But I don't really have any comments other than it's great. I can just, I am enjoying reading the book so much. It's, it's every, I like all the characters. I like the plot. I like where it's going. I can't wait to see what's happening. So uh, Satellite Sisters, just hang on because this book is going to be great. That's Oh, great. Julie, thank you. I mean that. Not That's just, really nice, actually. Not just because you're my younger sister. And not just because if you beat me in the Super Bowl. I'd say this to you if you beat me in the Super Bowl, Liam. That's how, that's how, how, how I feel about this book. So what's the actual well, publication, Daily? It's been a nail-biter. Like, getting it out just 
uh, you know, as everyone knows, we had a lot going on in the fall, and I, my publisher was very gracious about the deadline, allowed me to keep pushing it. And so just to have, um, it is 98% of the way there, and um, I have to do a little bit more writing, and that's why I haven't been on the show in the last couple of weeks, because I've been, I've worked every weekend since uh, the beginning of December, so... I am kind of burnt out, but I'm almost there. And it's just exciting to have people read it now and, and be very positive about it. So, um, but it's going to be a sprint to get it out uh, May 1st. May 1st. Okay. So, Lee okay. Fr- National holiday, May 1st. That's what I think. Leanne, <laughs> <laughs> for people that want to follow the news of the book, I know you have, like, your own Facebook page for this. Or where, where should people friend you or like you or sign up to follow you? You know, Liz, because I have been working so hard on the writing piece of it, I haven't actually done a lot of the social media stuff for it. So the best place, you can go to what I now have an author page uh, on Facebook. There's Leanne Dolan, just my personal Facebook page, which people are always welcome to friend me on. But then if you search Leanne Dolan author, that's probably the best place um, for news of the book. And we have a great giveaway that we're going to do. And I will be going to various cities, uh, May, June, and July um, for sure. So uh, we have a couple of good contests that will happen at the actual events. But it's kind of amorphous now because we I'm just scrambling to get the the text finished because <laughs> I wrote a book and then I decided to write a book within a book. So that was, I strategically, uh, I wouldn't recommend that. Um, but anyway, I have a little <laughs> well, bit more sort of fun writing to do. Is, and then, my final comment um, to everyone, this is going to be an excellent book for binge reading. <laughs> binge reading. This is it. If you just want to sit down and read it and you don't want it to end. Okay. So, Liam. I'm going to use you as a blurb because that's also what I have to do is find some authors to blurb the book now. So if you're an author and you're within the sound of my voice, (laughs) email me at leanne at chaoschronicles.com because like, okay, now I have to find the authors to blurb the book that I just finished writing. So it's a little, the timing of everything is, uh, is kind of woo crazy, but, um, it's exciting. Julie, thank you so much. Thank you. <laughs> All right, and we'll keep everyone up on the the uh, on the Elizabeth the First Wife news. We'll also post that on the Satellite Sisters Facebook group. So if you're not um, a member there, just go under groups and search on Satellite Sisters, and and you can join there. You can also follow us on Twitter. We are at Sat Sisters, and if you want to follow me, I'm at SS Liz. That's Satellite Sister Liz, not in as the boat Liz. And um, Leon, what's your Twitter handle? You know what? I changed it to very simply at Leon Dolan. Oh. L I A N. Catchy. L A N. Catchy. Uh, yeah. Okay. All right. And uh, there you have it. So, okay, sister. Julie, what do you make it for the Super Bowl? What's oh, happening? Pulled, pulled pork sandwiches, Leon, and coleslaw without okay. making sort of a Weight Watchers coleslaw. Yeah. Oh. Good. That's, I'm doing that a lot lately with like a citrus dressing in my coleslaw. Yeah. Let's get okay. two thumbs up here. Um, yeah, I'm having a roast beef au jus sandwiches, a little French dip, and uh, Caesar salad. But I'm making my own Caesar, so it's a light, a light Caesar dressing. Okay. Liz, what are you Liz, having? What is going on? Got any chicken wings uh, over your plate? The, uh, I have discovered the uh, Lean Cuisine spring rolls, the frozen spring rolls. <laughs> 
Honestly, have you oh, noticed man. how many lean cuisines there are now? It's it's like they've got the steamables, they've got the frozen spring roll. It's like there's a whole lean cuisine aisle now in my uh, in my pavilions. But no, I haven't really totally worked out worked out my menu yet. Um, but boy, you guys, that sounds delicious. What you're doing. <laughs> We thought we'd end this week with the status report on the sisters who could not be here. I wrote to Sheila and asked her how that training was going for the swim meet. She said she's going to compete in next month. And she wrote back to say, I've been staying up too late with my new boyfriend, HBO. So I think Sheila's been doing some binge viewing of her own. And Monica, lucky her, is actually in Hawaii this week at a medical conference. She got there a couple of days early, so she wrote and said, Today I'm taking the number 22 bus to Hunuama Bay to snorkel. I've been practicing how to pronounce it in case I get lost. I'm just hoping to see some turtles. That sounds like a good way to spend today. So we are the Satellite Sisters. Glad you could join us this week. And don't forget, call your Satellite Sister.